Well, good morning, and welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb, and I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee, and we're happy that you've joined our program for today. Our lesson for today is continuation of what we talked about last week. Christ is the founder of only one church, his church. And we looked at some of the reasons that that we believe that Christ is the founder of only one church. Some of the proof that exists from scriptures. First of all, well, before we get begin our lesson, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us. And we thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together for the ability that we have to study your word together and to understand it, to apply it to our lives. We pray, Father, that it would increase our faith, that it would help us to do those things that bring glory and honor to your name. And we do thank you for uh, this opportunity. We thank you for this day. We pray that you would be with us and that you would care for us always and keep us in your service. We thank you for your son, for his sacrifice for our sins. It is through Jesus that we humbly pray. Amen. As we look at our lesson for today, we are studying uh, that, that Christ is the founder of only one church. Uh, last week, we noticed the promise of Christ to build only one church church. Matthew 16 and verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So as we look at this promise, as we look at at what we understand from Scripture, Christ only promised to build one church. It was not to be many churches, but one church. One church, and and that's all that there is as far as scripture is concerned. We also talked about Paul and, and how he teaches by inspiration that there is only one body. Uh, Ephesians 4 And beginning with verse 4, for instance, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. As we look at at other scriptures, we see in Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Uh, We also looked at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27, I won't take the time to go back to that one, um, but 
uh, let's notice Ephesians 1 and beginning with verse 22. Ephesians 1 and 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. So as we look at these scriptures, we understand that there was only one church that was promised. And that one church is the church that belongs to Christ and only to Christ. And as we also notice, we, we look at these verses that, that Paul wrote by inspiration. And we understand that, again, there is only one church that he speaks of. There is only one body. We have members of that one body. We all have different functions, kind of like the members of a physical body would work. But we all work toward the same common goal of of the good of the body. And that body being one, the one church that was promised by Christ. And we see that Christ is the head of that one church, his body. And we are a part of that body. But again, all of these things are are singular. They, They speak to the church being singular in nature. Whereas there are many people uh, who believe that and teach and practice that there are many churches and these many churches believing many different things can be one under God. But if we do not practice, if we do not teach the same things, if we do not do the same things, how can we be a part of the one church? of the Bible. Now, our world would have us accept all religions as being, and especially those that that are aimed at pleasing the one God that we read about in scriptures. The world believes that there can be many different teachings, many different practices, and yet we can all be unified. And yet, all these things do is they, they bring division among those who believe in God. And ultimately, it's not about me and you. And it's not about what we want and what we think is right. It's about God and what God wants. And that's ultimately what we strive to do. We're going to spend the, the rest of this lesson today uh, discussing a little bit more of the proof that shows us that there is but one church from the scriptures and understand what God wants us to understand from the scriptures. And we're also going to to look at uh, what it means by churches, because obviously we do see in scripture a reference to churches as being many churches. We're going to see what that means as well. Our lesson for today uh, will begin in John chapter 15, verse 1. John chapter 15 and verse 1. This is a passage that speaks of Jesus being the true vine, the vine of the Father. 
and we see him as such. But this passage is also taken uh, many times out of context to mean something that it does not mean. And it is very simple for us to understand if we want to understand it. But uh, again, it is something that is taken often out of context. In John 15 and beginning with verse 1, John 15 and verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. He refers to himself as the vine. And in verse 2, he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So as we look at, at John 15, we, we have this illustration that Jesus is the true vine. And from a vine grows branches of that vine. And every branch in me is what Jesus says. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. As branches of this vine, we are to bear fruit. And he goes on to say that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, he cares for it, that it may bear more fruit. That is the goal of our Christian lives is that we bear fruit. Now, how do we bear fruit? Uh, we bear, there are different types of fruit that are referred to in scripture. I, I think of the fruit of the spirit, that there are certain character characteristics of our lives that we are to exhibit as Christians. But also, we are to bear fruit in that we are given a commission. We are given a mission to go into the world and to preach the gospel and to bring lost souls to Christ. And when we do that, we are bearing fruit. And in both ways, I think this applies very well to Christianity, that we are to bear fruit in bringing the lost to Christ, and we are to bear fruit in bearing the characteristics of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Whenever we bear those characteristics, we can bear fruit as in bringing the lost to Christ. If we fail to bear the, the characteristics of Christianity, as in the fruit of the Spirit and other such fruit, and it's going to be very difficult for us to bring the lost to Christ. But both of these work, work very well hand in hand, whichever fruit is meant here. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We have to be branches of Christ. We extend out and we bear fruit, but we are part of this one vine, which provides us our nourishment, which provides us everything that we need, spiritually speaking.
In verse 5 of John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. If we are going to bear fruit, then it is uh, a prerequisite that we abide in Christ. We have to abide in his doctrine. We have to abide in his teachings, the teachings that were presented through the teaching of the apostles. We continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, just as those of the first century church did, as we read in Acts chapter 2. And when we do that, we continue to be branches of Christ, the true vine. And we bear fruit by being a part of that, that true vine being Christ. Now, there are many who believe that the branches are many denominations. And the many denominations are to bear fruit, but they bear fruit toward this true vine being Christ. Is that the case? Is that even possible from what we read here in this scripture? We understand that to be a part of the true vine, we must abide in Christ and in the doctrine of Christ. So at some point when we have many deviations from the doctrine of Christ, when we teach many different things, when we practice many different things, and we, we believe these things to be acceptable. Hear me carefully. But if we cannot agree on doctrine, now I'm not saying that there cannot be matters of disagreement in some respect, because we're all not going to to be able to, to come to the same conclusion. One good example, I've been studying recently the Holy Spirit preparing uh, for a lesson for Sunday. And Guy Ann Woods and Gus Nichols, they disagreed in respect to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. One believed that, that it was... The, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is only through the Word. And no, no other way can there be an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It has to be through the Word and through an understanding of the Word. And the other believed that, that there was more to it than that. They, they went to their graves, as far as I know, disagreeing with one another on this matter. But there were certain aspects of this that they agreed upon. 
And and so they they continued fellowship with one another. There are, are things such as that 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 I do believe that that we can disagree on to some degree without it changing the meaning of the passage for us. And I know that, that in Bible classes, we've experienced that as well. There have been those that have disagreed with, with something that I've said, but ultimately we agree on the basic meaning of the passage. And so we have an understanding, a mutual agreement, and we can continue fellowship with one another in that regard. But there are certain things that we cannot disagree on and still be a part of this one vine. For instance, salvation. Does salvation come through the obedience of baptism for the remission of sins? Uh, Or does salvation come through some other way? Are we saved before that even takes place? Listen, listen carefully. If we do not agree on how to become members of the church, on what is necessary for our salvation, how can we be a part of the one true vine? If someone teaches that instruments of music are acceptable acceptable in worship, and yet someone else teaches that they are not. How can we both be a part of the same vine? You see, it's a matter of what I am doing and will it be acceptable in God's sight. These are matters that we cannot disagree on and still be part of the kingdom. Because they affect what we practice and they affect what we preach. And we cannot disagree and still be a part of one vine. There are matters in which we can disagree. But there are also matters in which we cannot disagree. And as we look at denominations, they disagree on things that the Bible teaches as basic to our salvation and to what we need to do to be pleasing to God, basic to the doctrine of the word. And if we cannot agree upon the doctrine of the word that is inspired by God, as God does not desire division, he wants us to be unified. And we'll look at that in a moment. But if we cannot be united in the doctrine of Christ, then we cannot be a part of the same church. Even most in denominations have to uh, come to the, the basic understanding that in so many teachings and so many things that, that are done in denominations, that someone has got to be wrong. We can't all be right. What are we going to be unified on? We are to be unified on the word of God, the authority of the scriptures. So again, to to summarize the the thoughts of, of this passage in John 15, there is only one vine. 
from which the branches grow, and only one vine dresser, the Father. These branches are not denominations, as denominations were not even in existence at the time of this writing. That's another thing that we must consider. There have not yet been, as of the writing of John 15, many different denominations. As a matter of fact, as of this writing, the church has not fully been established as it comes after the death of Christ. But this is um, sort of a, a promise. As we look at the Jews, they, they had what they needed to do in order to be right with God. And when Jesus came, he did the same as, as John the baptizer, preaching a message of repentance, that they needed to come back. But they needed to be a part of this vine. And ultimately, the church is a part of this vine. And so we today are our branches, and we must bear fruit, but we must abide in the doctrine of the word, the doctrine of Christ. So again, as of this writing, the, the denominations were not in existence, and even in the time of the book of Acts, the nomina- denominations were still not in existence. They had not yet come to be. They came much later, much after the word had been fully compiled and completed. Nor were they uh, established on the day of Pentecost, following Jesus' resurrection. But this promise is the same as same for us as it was to, to those that Jesus was speaking to. That we are to be a part of the vine, the vine being Christ. We are to be branches of that vine. We are to bear fruit, but those branches cannot be denominations because of the different teachings and different practices. This passage cannot be spoken of in reference to denominations because Christ was speaking to his disciples, followers of him. Verse 5. He was speaking of himself as the vine. Also, verse 5. And Christ is speaking to individuals. Verses 6 and 7. And not to denominations. That's another good point that we understand from this passage. Remember who Jesus is speaking to. He's not speaking to churches. The church has not been established yet. But he's speaking to individual followers of Christ. Individual disciples who were to be branches and to bear much fruit. So the view of denominations being the branches, it it creates a, a problem with the parable. And that how does one vine produce various forms of fruit? One vine can only produce one kind of fruit. It doesn't produce cantaloupe and watermelon and many other different types of fruit. But it produces one fruit. If you plant an apple tree, what's it going to grow? It's going to grow apples. Plant the seed of Christ. It's growing, going to grow churches, as in many congregations of one church. But we're all going to, going to be the same fruit in that we preach and we teach and we practice 
the same things. Very simple. The church, we also understand, is referred to as a family. 1 Timothy 3, verses 14 and 15. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. As part of this family, we are heirs of God. Romans 8, verses 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. The church is referred to as one family, not many families, not many different denominations, but one family. We are one in the sense that we are one in Christ. We are of the fold of one shepherd. John 10 verses 11 through 16. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling. He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Christ is the shepherd and we as members of his church are his sheep. There are no more flocks than there are shepherds. I want to close with Jesus' prayer. We'll have to finish the rest of it later. Actually, I guess we're out of time for today, so we'll pick up here next week, Lord willing, as we study another portion of God's Word together. I do thank you for being with me today, and and uh, this lesson seems to be taking a little longer. I want to be sure to explain everything in a, a very careful manner. And so I hope that, that, that everything has been understood. But if you have any questions, feel free to, to contact us. The best way is through our congregation's website, marshillcoc.org. And uh, hopefully I will be with you again next week for another portion of According to the Scriptures at 11 a.m. on Tuesday. And I thank you for being with me today. Until we meet again, may God bless you. Oh.